This is a message for our listeners in the Perth region. Who wants to see a murder mystery play sometime in the month of September? Why? All of us, of course. So why not book your tickets for Clue, the stage adaptation of the 1980s film, featuring yours truly. That's right, if you want to see uh, the host of the Cinema Catch-Up Club do some acting chops himself, book your tickets now for the production being staged at the Melville Theatre. The shows are at 8pm, tickets available for most nights. The 2pm matinee on the 19th of September is sold out, but the show runs from the 10th until the 25th of September. Tickets are $25 or $20 concession, and you can book at www.taztix.com.au. That's T-A-Z-T-I-X.com.au. And uh, fans of the Cinema Catch-Up Club will also notice... Uh, one or two other members of our little podcast parish either appearing or working on the show. So, book your tickets for Clue now and come and help us solve this murder mystery. Hello everybody and welcome to the Cinema Catch-Up Club, the podcast for films that you probably should have seen by now. I'm your host Stephen Platt, thank you very much for downloading this week's episode. Oh, hang on, sorry, my editor is just passing me a bit of paper, sorry. Oh yes, that's right, sorry, we updated uh, something in the beginning. Uh, I am your host, Dr. Stephen Platt. Woo! Yeah! Yes, that's right folks. Uh, 230 episodes in, uh, the long-running backstory of this series, of the ongoing PhD, the arc has finally resolved, uh, and I am now officially a doctor. Thank you very much. Now let us never speak. I wonder if we'll jump the shark now. Yeah. (laughs) It it could happen. The writers ran out of ideas. I had to give you a promotion. They gave him the happy ending he wanted, and no one wants to watch that after that. So, yeah. Uh, Enjoy our glorious burning motorcycle as it falls into the ocean in this episode. Um... Because we're watching Contact. Uh, we're watching Contact. And the reason we're watching it is because uh, special guest, Katrina Johnston. And it's episode 25 for you. I finally got there. It's been a long haul. It's an equally uh, desirable achievement. Well, the funny doctorate. the funny thing is you started this podcast to like give you something to distract yourself from your PhD. Mm. When my first episode of this podcast, I was in my first year at WAPA. Mm. And now I'm fully graduated, mm. working full time. As a theatre technician. Look at us so now. It's like... the, the Paul Rudd gear for eating the food. Just, just yeah. look, at, look at us now. Um, welcome, Katrina. Why did you pick Contact? So pretty much as soon as you said that you had come up with the idea of those guests who'd reached 25 could choose their own film, I started thinking about what film I wanted to. And this was one of many choices. Hmm. Um, so the other choices were... Uh, now I have to remember them. Um... Philip Seymour Hoffman's Capote, mm-hmm. uh, Land Before Time, because, yes. you know, I hate my emotions. Yep. Um, and a recent one that almost beat Contact was, oh shit, what was it? Hustlers. No, <laughs> no, what was it? Yeah, it's the only recently released film I can think of. Uh, John Wick. No, no, it was, uh, a, it was a recent, furious. it was no. a, wasn't a recent film. Oh. It was a recent movie that I remembered. Recent for you. Yes. Mm. And now I can't remember. That's okay. So that'll at, have to be. Um, at any point but, in the episode when you remember it, yeah, just shout I'll it just, out. I'll just shout it out. Yeah. Bridget Jones' uh, Diary. We'll just hear whatever it no, is. No, no. <laughs> um, 
so this this film it just means means a lot to me mm. and as I've, I've actually been thinking about this you coming to record this episode for a while since mm. we've since we set the date um and it's weird because it's actually a fairly mainstream film, but it means a lot to me for reasons that I have completely created in my own brain, um, which I might hold off and I'll talk to you. I'll talk later yeah. about it. Okay. Yeah. There you go. We're not jumping the shark anywhere. We've yeah. got dramatic tension in this episode. <laughs> this is nice. Uh, well, you've chosen contact, uh, but the rule of this program is uh, someone has seen the film before and someone has not. So our guest who has not seen the film before, making contact with contact for the very first time, it's Andrew David. Hello, I'm also here. Yes. Woo-hoo! No life-affirming or changing events for you this week, Andrew? This week? No, but I'll keep you posted. Okay, thank yeah. you. You've not seen Contact, so what are you expecting from this film? So this is a weird film. I was talking to uh, Katrina about this the other day. Hmm. This is a film I have not seen, but I know a lot about. Okay. I know how it ends. I know oh. the main driving force of the film. I know a lot about uh, the main character and her hmm. motives. I know a lot about sexy Christian McConaughey. And uh, I know a lot about the VFX breakdown of this film mm. because you know more about it. Surprising with your work, mm. yes. Yeah. yeah, you know more about it than me right now. Which is, <laughs> I, it's yeah. nice to be on the upper foot for yeah. once. Yeah, yeah. I I haven't seen this film either. I just know it's the Carl Sagan movie. Da, 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 da. Carl Sagan that's, movie. Yeah, that's yeah, basically I've, all I know. I I once tried to read the book that this is based on mm-hmm. um, as a twelve-year-old. It started giving me weird dreams, mm-hmm. so I had to stop. <laughs> okay. So Weird yeah. dreams in a reading the original Jurassic Park by Michael Crichton, kind of like scary monster one, or more because of the no, implications No, just, just strange physics. dreams. It was, uh, it was one summer that I went to my local library and borrowed out like 12 fairly hefty books. Mm. Um, and I was like, yeah, I'm going to spend all holidays reading these books. Um, I think I got through two. Mm. Or maybe two and a bit. That's two. Yeah. Two is plural. Two is books. Yeah. So. Mm. Yeah. No, it just gave me weird dreams. It was a weird. It was a weird summer. Okay. Mm. Well, weird summers and all of that aside, mm. shall we watch Contact? Yes. Uh, I guess so. Okay, uh, well, with that, uh, ladies and gentlemen, it's time for you to uh, pop in your DVDs, load up your streaming services, and prepare to cross those Einstein, Rosen bridges as we watch Contact. This is the Cinema Catch-Up Club with your host, Dr. Stephen Platt. I will get over this in the next few weeks, everyone, don't worry. <laughs> but uh, until then, it is Dr. Stephen Platt welcoming you back to this uh, review of Contact, chosen by uh, our special guest, Katrina Johnston. Hello. And watched for the first time by our other special guest, Andrew David. Hello. Andrew, that was your first time watching Contact. What did you think? I had a really good time with it. Mm. I really, really enjoyed it. I, I think that the question questions it raises and the the way it tackles them is very interesting Mm. yeah this was this was my first time watching it too and Mm. i was a little concerned about a two and a half hour running time just Mm. because knowing what type of film it is i was like how 
does that work over that time period? Because yeah. these films are normally 90 to 110 minutes. Mm. Um, but it, it never sagged. I was really impressed by the fact that this film was just consistently interesting. And you're right, it was very engaging. Uh, so well done, yeah. Katrina. Oh, you, thanks. You picked Good a goodie. Good job. I, uh, I like, I, my aim is to entertain. Um, so when did you last watch this film? Um, probably a fair few years ago. Um, I like, Although I've picked it because it means something quite important to me, mm. I don't watch it very often. Mm. Um, like I don't even have a DVD of it. Yeah, well, very few places in Australia yes, do. as we, we discovered. Yeah, uh, this one is uh, pretty much only available from Prime or YouTube in Australia from mm-hmm. renting. So, uh, yeah, I was really surprised yeah. how, how not available it was, considering that it, it's a film that I certainly know about and it's still yeah. in the sort of zeitgeist, particularly with um, a more recent version of this film in Arrival having been made a few yeah. years previously. Very similar DNA. Yeah. I was very, yeah. very surprised of how hard it was to, to track down this film because it's, it's a great cast. You know, you've mm. got Jodie Foster and James Woods doing the James Woods thing of being a total dick. And, <laughs> um, you know, it, it's got a, a really good, strong cast of characters. It's got Matthew McConaughey, for God's sake. Why yeah. is this film not in J.B. Hyde? John Hurt in space. Yeah. 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 Again. Yeah. Again, it's evoking mm. a lot of things that would come... Uh, subsequently um the the story is um the the adventures of uh, young dr ellie arroway who is yeah. um as we see at the start of the film just a spunky bright-eyed kid and by bright-eyed i mean the entire universe is in that eye uh, with that wonderful panning shot amazing yeah. opening it's absolutely amazing yeah, yeah it's that's actually let's pause there my, my flippant uh rundown of the plot to talk mm. about holy guacamole that shot is Still holds up when you look at the way the yeah. the CGI was yeah. used to create mm-hmm. the the solar system and the galaxy. Although and the opening bit did give me a panic because I was like, "Oh, have my TV speakers broken?" Because this is and I because I kind of forgot that. Like I, I remember the whole opening sequence, but I forgot that first little couple of seconds mm, where it mask. is, yeah, where it is really chaotic. Yeah, the mask garble um, of sound. Yeah, where there was a little bit of Spice Girls in there. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's the first thing I clocked as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, and then just as it pulls out and the sounds change and it's the previous series of music and we pull away and yeah. it gets fainter and fainter until eventually we're past the pillars of creation and we're just in the depths of space and there's yeah. no sound. Just sitting in that silence for. Like must be a solid minute and a half yeah. at least. Mm. Which that whole sequence, I really wish I could have been able to see this in the cinema mm. because, like, one of those you know planetarium cinemas uh, mm. would have been amazing to see that sequence to sit in yeah. that silence. Uh, I've been lucky enough to go to the Hayden Planetarium in New York, and they have their wonderful um, sort of in the dome mm. <laughs> planetarium show. And it was very reminiscent of that in yeah. terms of like in that show, it's, you know, them whooshing around different parts of space and Neil deGrasse Tyson going, and now we're over here and all this, mm. look at this gas doing its thing, like that kind of thing. Mm. And it's, it, it was very evocative of that. And I think we will be getting on to, to Carl Sagan and Cosmos yeah. and science communication, but it was really, it really just kind of rubber stamped. This is this type of film. This yeah. is the this ethos of, of this film in front of you. Yeah. Uh, it's the focus of yeah. how, minuscule hmm. humanity is but then putting the drawing out to have the galaxy within Jodie Foster's eye at the end yeah. like, but also everyone is super important yeah yeah yeah. it's beautiful anyway back to the flippant plot uh, <laughs> Ellie is this uh, this this uh, young uh, ham radio go, enthusiast go get a scientist <laughs> yes yeah. indeed 
And um, she's got a very supportive dad and a dead mum, which is just, uh, you know, classic mm. American film. <laughs> well, classic Jodie Foster, actually. Except, it's very similar to Silence um, of the Lambs. And I will highlight that, although I haven't read all of the book, mm. I do note that is one area where it deviates from the book. Oh, okay. Yeah, in the book, her parents are divorced. Mm-hmm. And after her father's passing away, she goes and lives with her mother and her Baptist preacher stepfather Ooh, okay. and gets forced to go to uh, Sunday school. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, and has that whole very aggressive, antagonistic interaction with, with religion mm. within her home. I'm quite glad that wasn't in this film mm. because I really liked the interplay between science and religion yeah and i really didn't think i was going to enjoy it with uh, matthew mcconaughey's um hot christian preacher routine um which it it could have gone very um poorly uh but it 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 didn't he was Mm. despite mistreating her and i have issues with with Mm. with, uh, the way he behaved in this film that the character not matthew his acting was great um but but i i think the way they treated that was really that that intersection that interaction of these two ideologies mm. which don't always mesh i think was done very respectfully and i think again is just very evocative and reflective of what yeah. sagan was about i think from from memory from the memory that i have of the book is the parmajos character is a bit more um a bit more obviously religious mm. Um, yeah. Like she meets him in a very, very different. Like McConaughey rocks up, and the first thing he says is, "I'm not, I'm not really a yeah, preacher. Yeah. I'm not he's, too Christian." He's is actually, kind of his vibe. Yeah. He's actually Christ-like. I, I, pers- diet, diet I personally, I personally wouldn't call him Christian at all. Mm. I would call him a spiritualist. Okay. Um, and I don't think many practicing Christians would call him a Christian either. That's a fair no, point. I don't. Think um, so. I don't, and I think the character is is yet yeah, taking that. Uh, that new age man kind of vibe mm. more than Christianity. Mm. Um, whereas I think in the book, he is a bit more obviously Christian. Yeah. Um, like I remember this whole sequence, him talking about uh, being born again and things like that. Right. And Ellie Arroway has quite a, she meets him at a university at mm. a, I think a, a um, theological university because mm. they're having, there's some sort of debate going on. Mm. Um, and so she's much more antagonistic mm. and she gets quite angry about the uh, fallacies within religion. But, and I think the main reason though, um, and where the film probably um, benefits from this is the fact that to do that kind of interaction would just take up way too much time. Yeah. They kept yeah. it pretty, pretty uh, succinct. Yeah, I guess, and it, I think it benefited the film because the film, whilst it is about, I, I think this is definitely a film about faith, but not mm. not necessarily just religious faith. And I yeah. think that that end scene in the courtroom really hammers that message home. Mm. But oh. um, but I'm glad that it, it was able to balance that with just a rip roaring yarn about the scientific process. And I don't know about you, Andrew, but I was bloody loving it as soon as we started getting possible sound sequences from extraterrestrial life 100 yeah. uh, percent like I, I it's like a little detective story yeah it's a detective but they're actually obviously it's very hollywood but they are trying to be mm. somewhat scientific in how they're displaying stuff yeah. and yeah. they've clearly done their research and i i really like i i was raised christian and left the church when i was a teenager mm. 
and then I've done a degree in science. Mm. So this, the interplay <laughs> here was like really... It hits home, doesn't it? it? Yeah, yeah. It, it, was, it was very strong and yeah. really speaking to me throughout the entire film. Yeah, I have a... Well, with the exception of the science degree, I have a similar background, raised religious, um, left the church. Well, not really left the church because I technically wasn't in a... Like, wasn't very official capacity. It's not like I was baptised or anything. Um, but kind of came to realise that I no longer believed in organised religion. Um, probably not too long after my father passed away, which then I will, I'm just going to talk about that because it neatly leads into why... The little tidbit that I gave mm. at the beginning, why I, why I picked this film. Um I really identify with this film for several reasons, sort of the reason that you've um, mentioned, Andrew, but also the relationship between Ellie and her father in that it... Not that my dad was a scientist or anything like that, but mm. it mimicked the relationship that I had with my dad mm. um, in that he was a great believer of education. He was a very religious man, mm. Um, but he never spoke down. He, he, whilst we did talk about religion, he never um, told me off for asking certain questions and just always kept trying to talk about lots of different things and teach me about lots of different things. Um, and whilst... In hindsight, I realised many of the things that he spoke about came from his very specific perspective. And some of the things he spoke about were wrong. Um, he still imbued in me a, a love of learning and knowledge. And, yeah, that's like the... The, why I, I like this film mm. so much. I mean, you, the, the film does exactly that. Mm. We've, we've setting up... In the fact the first few minutes of this film, aside from when we're zooming out into space, mm. are seeing young Ellie with her father mm. and establishing why she is the way she is, but also yeah. how she was taught that. And the fact is, is like that was just such a beautifully idyllic americana yeah. just kind of like they're playing on the ham radio and then they you know they have the little sad conversation about can we reach mom and yeah. he's like oh, i don't know any radio's gonna get that far sparky and it's like oh this this is so saccharine someone has to pass away yeah. <laughs> tragically <laughs> uh, but but yeah I, I, and i think that grounding is mm. really important for not only ellie but for sort of like the the emotional heartbeat of this film with a yeah. character who is pushing against the thing that usually is the emotional heartbeat, particularly in American films, which is characters with faith or a grounding in yeah. either community or belief. And Ellie, her community is based around her work. You know, mm. it's not as though we see her like going to a softball game in yeah. between things. And it's a community yeah. she's quite happy to leave yeah. in the context of, you know, she'll go and find her own projects that she wants. She won't yeah. wait around for anyone to help her. And But give it, yeah, because if we were just introduced to Ellie as, uh, you know, hotshot single female scientist yeah. and she's doing her thing and she's banging Matthew McConaughey while doing things. <laughs> you know, it's like all power to you. That's fantastic. <laughs> but we might as an audience feel certain members of the audience might find it more difficult to connect yeah. with Ellie without that grounding. And I think if they'd done it in the other order where we saw her as an adult first and then mm. flashback to the childhood, I don't know it would have worked as well. So I think yeah. the way that they've done it is 
is superb. Yeah, I think also it it sort of taps into that um, childlike curiosity, which Carl Sagan and a lot of the great science communicators mm. have tried to encourage. Um, you know, the, you always see science communicators saying children are the best scientists because mm. they don't know the stupid questions or mm. they don't feel... Um, pulled pulled back by Mm. feeling stupid as much as adults do and also childhood is the time period where people spend the most time experimenting yeah it's it's playing with blocks it's playing with play-doh it's also why they're a a nightmare for safety concerns yeah it's it's climbing trees and finding finger straightening electrical socket yeah it's finding out what physics does when you fall out of a tree yeah it's generally nothing good yeah. Gravity is but, harsh. But they don't know that, and that's the great thing. Is, yeah. is, and absolutely, I think, yes, it's, it's really interesting that we, as intelligent beings, when we are first born, mm. are just testing stuff out the entire yeah. time. And whether that is part of like the inherent nature of being a super or a more advanced sort of being than other, mm. being, like other animals on the planet, or if it's just a super cool survival mechanism, yeah. it's... It's just interesting that that's where we almost all start from, mm. and then it fades with time. It's it's not often that that stays. Certainly not as strongly as it does. No. Uh, but but even then, you see a lot of people who are just incredibly not curious yeah. about the world, and it's maybe because ah oh, yeah, I've tested these systems and I know they work, so now I'm in. This and often, yeah. I think it's important to note that curiosity is sometimes a luxury. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah, but if, if you have the resources and the, the drive to remain mm. curious, that mm. can often make the best kind of scientist, mm. as Ellie is in this film. Or it can make, and I think, but you also see that in the Palmer Joss character because he's curious, but he's just using, as he says at the end of the uh, thing, he's he's um, he's using a different covenant, a different set of rules, but he's still, and they're still trying to achieve the same thing. Mm which is a sense of truth, mm. whatever that may be. understanding of the universe at, yeah. a, at a fundamental level, whether yeah. it be religious or scientific. Mm. Yeah. Um, and they can coexist mm. if handled properly. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, boy, do we have to go through a few things to get to that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, they, they, they meet uh, at the, the first SETI base. Um, you know, Ellie's there looking for little green men, as she says it, and the other scientists who are all wearing just the most fabulous shirts. Absolutely. Love they're them. on holiday and yeah. working mm-hmm. and they're mm-hmm. loving it. I, I Every time I see a film like that and I see scientists in casual wear, I'm always like, it is no wonder that I was drawn to academia <laughs> because I just enjoy the idea of being in casual wear while doing cool job stuff. Uh, so my degree is in marine science. Mm-hmm. And as you can probably imagine, most of the people that go into that field, which, which I haven't personally, mm. but... Uh, incredibly scientifically minded but also massive al- always dressed for the beach yeah. which yeah. the scientists in this this film often were it's like yeah. i remember back when i was at uni it's like you could always tell a the marine biologists because they weren't wearing shoes that was yeah, that was fairly common yeah 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 it's it's just lovely uh but then yeah she uh she and the team she meets uh, the wonderful kent clark um who is I think a really um, Im- important and lovely part of this film, yeah. this this blind scientist who is just very supportive of her. And I, w- I wasn't 
I knew there was going to be obstacles for mm. her because it's a film about a female scientist. That's how this this goes. Um, but I was sort of half expecting maybe Kent to be that that person, and, and, and that yeah. could just be because it's uh, William Fitchner who's playing um, the, the character, and he he has played some real bastards in films. <laughs> um, but he was great, and you know he was yeah he was just such a superb it's, it's like character. I feel like that whole relationship is very sort of uh, almost brother-sister. Yeah, and, um, and nothing ever gets between them. There's no mm. dramatic falling out or anything. They are always working together. Yeah, yeah. Even, when, one another. even when they have that disagreement early in the film yeah. where he's like, you know, they're going to shut us down. You've got three months left before they, they shut the thing down. Because you've been too weird. Yeah, and it's like... The you nerds know, think you're weird. Yeah, <laughs> and quite a lot of characters spend at least one of their lines in this film telling Ellie to either calm down or not be too confrontational. But yeah. the only time it didn't bother me in the stop telling a woman to be emotional way that happens in, in these films mm. was when Kent did it. Yeah. Because I honestly believed it. he was saying it in... Yeah. Like, it, it felt genuine. Mm. And it didn't feel genuine when other characters did it. It felt like he was speaking from experience where as yeah. other people are uh, speaking down to her. Where, yeah. yeah, I guess. Or, yeah, another way of saying it, the others felt manipulative. Yeah. Whereas um, Kent was coming from a, hey... I don't want you to go through something very painful. Mm. Yeah. Um, the reason the funding was being pulled was because their uh, financier, Dr. David Drumlin, uh, mm-hmm. played by Tom Skerritt, um, was the bit of a bastard character that I thought uh, Fitchner might be yeah. playing. <laughs> he was so good. And by good, I mean a massive dickhole. Slimy. Yeah. Slimy man. Yeah. Slimy, slimy man. But uh, even at the end, mm. like, uh, jumping forward a bit, you feel bad for him like mm. he, he's he's a part of a system that he is facilitating mm. and he's being horrible within it mm. but he feels like he's stuck within that system and he's got to do what he can to push mm. forward i don't know if he feels stuck but i think he he's like no nah, it's the way it is and i'm working with it yeah rather and yeah. then yeah. ellie he's, shoots back saying he, he's i a, believe the world is what we make of it mm. which yeah. is a very good way to take a dig at him for being like no it's um, bad because you're bad yeah. and you're choosing to be bad in this yeah. moment. Yeah. I think it's interesting because he, I, th- I feel like he represents what Ellie would have become potentially had she not made the discovery that she did because he, he, he says, you know, mm. he's like, I've essentially chased dreams and done this. And he's like, it's not fair, but just because it's not fair doesn't mean that I can't win. Yeah. It, essentially. It's a very different ideology, but I think he, he sort of represents that sort of brutal, harsh truth of like, science intermingling with politics yeah i i don't think ellie would have end, ever ended up like that though even she even would have without the discovery yeah i think she would have mm. and i think if she hadn't made her discovery she would have stuck to her convictions become even more of an outsider mm. than she already is but to her that would con i think she would that would confirm what she already feels true because in some yeah. ways she is the representative she is an example of early in the film at least a scientific zealot mm. um, who, is, yeah. Is who, that why she has such a strong sort of antagonism towards Jake Busey's um, preacher slash suicide bomber character? Um, oh, no, I think that's just because he's it creepy. Could also be, no, <laughs> but, but man. Is it, is it partly because on a fundamental level, maybe she doesn't realise it, but her 
starting off as a scientific zealot mm. and he's very much a religious zealot but she's started to transform from her interactions with um matthew mcconaughey's character um yeah. whose name escapes me right now i keep palmer joss palmer joss i keep wanting to say dupe like the different <laughs> or whatever it is i know joss um yeah um maybe she's part of me on reflection is kind of going i feel like maybe she's repulsed by him because there is a slight similarity to where she's already come from in the film. Not that I was expecting her to go and like yeah. blow herself up. Um, to no, I think it's just because he he seems dangerous. Possibly, and um, ultimately, because there are there are some people you meet with that kind of intensity, mm. um, who you interact with them or you see them interacting. You're like, you're just you're dangerous. Mm. You're for whatever reason. You see it in politicians as well. I think mm. or. Um, you see it sometimes in in yeah just people in your everyday life you're so intense on whatever thing and like you can see how they might be dangerous not necessarily in a physical harmful way mm. but they could be dangerous in a they're going to be emotionally manipulative or mm. something like that or dangerous to themselves sometimes yeah. I, I think that character fills a vital role of showing the, the extreme views mm. are on the side of McConaughey's character mm. uh, of the relig- religious zealotry, which yeah. is what that character becomes, which mm. is th- the dangers of going too far in that direction. Mm. Yeah. Um, I think there, there's always people in the film that challenge Ellie, mm. and then there's a heightened version of that person. Mm. Like there's, there's people in the political factions that mm. the, there's the lady, the senator lady, I think she's the senator, who is antagonistic towards Ellie, but also they're on a level playing field. And then there's the guy who becomes the head of the advisory board at the end, yeah, who's really out for blood. Critz? Uh, Michael. Critz? Michael, Michael. I think it's Michael Critz. Yeah. So uh, Michael Kitts. Kitts. Yeah, yeah. So it, it really, it, it's kind of driving home that, yes, there, there are these people in the world that can take standard views and and take them to a fundamentalist mm. level which is is damaging mm. and stand in the way of progress or or people can look at one or we also see how people can look at one thing and see an see a danger or see an opportunity like it's i always found it really interesting throughout every single time i watch this that whenever Ellie looks at it, it's like, they're like, oh, what is this? What could it be? And she's like, oh, well, maybe it's an encyclopedia or maybe it's, you know, it's going to take us somewhere or maybe it's this, something. It's always positive, very benign, very, it's all about education. Mm. And then he's just like, maybe it's where the army's going to come out and kill us all. Yeah, mm. or a big bomb. Or a doomsday <laughs> machine. I mean, I mean, kids, and again, James yeah. Woods, not a great person, very good in this role. The thing that the James Woods character represents, that that character is so imbued in his world of where everything's a threat and it feels very, um, like it's signposting what American sort of um, intelligence was either transforming into or Mm. was already that but was starting to become more open in the public because obviously yeah. with um things which uh, happened subsequent to 97 and indeed subsequent to the publication of this this book yeah. um in the in the 80s uh, mm. i believe it was um it's really interesting that kits is sort of the final act uh, antagonist mm. but 
I didn't feel like you're being mean for no reason. I was like, it makes complete sense yeah. why Kits is yeah, behaving this way. And I think it's really one of the be- best things about this film is that all the characters behaving the way they do makes complete sense. Yeah. Except for the terrorist. But aside from that, no, I, well, he, he, he makes he makes internal logic to himself. Yes, I yeah. agree. But every other character in the film, I can look yeah. at and go like, I can understand how you got, got to that there, yeah. point. No, Where, I, I, I I even understand. I think why Jake Busey's character was was thank that you for way. ending it with character. character. <laughs> Look, sometimes it's hard to draw a distinction between uh, a Busey and the uh, the crazy character that they play, but. Um, because we we see examples of people like that all the time, whether it's uh, members of um, you know Islamic terrorist organisations that we particularly used to see a lot in the the or first decade of the alt right, or even you know um, the like uh, video manifestos that are left behind by like high school and university school. I understand, I, I understand yeah. the yeah. the archetype that character is feeling yeah. mm. and the the concept behind him, mm. but um, I don't feel like. Me yeah. personally understand yeah. the person, yeah. whereas so, I understand the senator. Yeah. And is it is it? Are you more saying that if you were in any of their positions, with the exception of the terrorist guy, you'd be like, oh yeah, I could understand why. I, could understand I, how, I, I yes. would do that. The same. I can see yeah. and and unpack their reasoning yeah. in a way that yeah. that makes yeah. sense to me. Yeah, mm. yeah. Okay. But then the yeah, film yeah. is also like, but also there are people who are just well, that's just yeah. evil. And I think it's the wonderful thing this film does when it opens it up to like mm. the announcement is made, and you just get all of the people camping around mm-hmm. the site, and then going to where the first machine's being built, and there's just this massive interest because that felt true. That yeah. felt like that is exactly what would happen. That is exactly what it would look like. I loved the cavalcade of nonsense that she drove through and there's like yeah. a guy dressed as Elvis and doing stuff and there's a choir and then there's Jake Busey doing his stuff but then it, it was just relentless and endless and weird and a perfect sort of microcosm of what the human experience is like yeah and um I just loved how much Ellie hated it <laughs> she, <laughs> it's like this, I'm here for science well, I don't I need think, any of these trimmings please. I think the yeah that's the thing this film is showing what happens when science when scientists who are usually like closeted away bump into the rest of the world because mm. every sing, at every single point Ellie is talking about pure science like mm. science mm. like when when you see people talking about science with a quite an idealized perspective mm. like oh you're talking about science before it gets mixed up with biases and prejudices and all the shit that comes with other elements of human society, mm. or at least noticeably. Yeah, yeah. and Ellie has to learn yeah. throughout the film to that science cannot exist in a vacuum. Yeah. And the really great example of that is mm. her final scene, the 18 yeah. months later, where she's teaching a bunch of kids. The yeah. Ellie at the start of the film... Not, not the child, the, the first time we see adult Ellie, yeah. would not have taught a bunch of kids about SETI, I don't think. At least not, not in the positive way that she was doing it mm. in that final scene. It would be much more impersonal. Yeah, I it'd think... be much more like Alan Grant from Jurassic Park, yes, which was right. the scene that yes. came to mind as we were watching it. She'd be gutting a child and saying, space will rip your guts out! <laughs> which it, it might. Yes. It could do that. Yeah, unless yeah. you've got a chair that magically jumps up and holds the Well, the chair the was bad. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it shouldn't have been in there. Shouldn't have been in there. Yeah. Um, but the, yeah, the, it, it, I just thought that transformation of her character was really good. I was mm. also really glad that um, Joss wasn't there for that final scene. Yeah. Because 
their, their, their relationship and they're getting together, I sort of get why it's there. I didn't necessarily believe in it 100% mm-hmm. throughout the film, but I'm glad that it was Ellie doing her thing as a practicing scientist, as someone who has gone through mm. this journey and is now has faith in something that she can't explain, uh, but believes 100% yeah. that it happened. I think her being by herself doing her thing was really important to show mm. as opposed to, I don't know, Matthew McConaughey and, uh, like cleaning one of the dishes going like... I think it's yes. really important that their relationship, though it is <laughs> sexual at the beginning, mm. their relationship with, throughout the film is mostly about um, their combating ideologies yeah. and yeah. how they come to understand one another mm. and support one another's ideologies even though Matthew McConaughey does spend a lot of the film I, being a bad dude. Yeah. But it, it's not about them being together, it's about them understanding one another. Yeah. I also really like that... I don't like that they had sex. I like that if they had to have sex, they did it in the first interaction that they had in the film and it never came up again. It was just like, they Mm. have this connection, there's, cool, there's your love interest. They do, ah, there's this romantic entanglement there. Mm. Great. We don't need to go back to it though because we need to focus on other things such as John Hurt as Jeff Bezos. Oh my goodness. (laughs) Yeah. He was wonderful. I didn't, realize, makes so much sense now. <laughs> I didn't realize until watching this film, I'm like, oh, this, this, um, this is quite timely, actually, mm-hmm. watching this now. Because, you know, it's, it's a lot about fathers in a way. And, you know, Father's Day is coming up, when, or at least when we're recording this. Yes, happy Father's um, Day to all the Australian uh, fathers out there. Or Gadad, everybody, as I believe <laughs> is the new greeting. I will let my brother-in-law know who this is his first Father's Day. Oh, um, yeah. well, happy yeah. Gadad. Um, to Nick Wren. To Nick. Uh, Gadad to you. I'm going to have to tell him to listen to the podcast now. Mm. <laughs> I'm like, you need to listen to all over 200 episodes to get this one reference to you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but, but yeah, the, 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 yeah. The, the John Hurt character. God, it was, it feels like it could have not worked like it felt like it was almost like a little bit of like a wacky Willy Wonka character to yeah. have. Yeah. But his sort of like now it's his, his wacky he's sort come of, true. He's on the opposite end of nineteen eighty four, you know, he's yeah. he's watching everything with the cameras. He's he looks a bit like the the bat the creator from Blade Runner with the giant glasses. He's got yeah. the bold Lex Luthor slash Jeff Bezos mm-hmm. head. The fact he's like, Oh, the cancer will spread much slower if I'm in space is just He's he's almost like a personification of the Tim Curry. Um, uh, there's only one place that capitalism isn't infected: space. That <laughs> it's just that, but as a character, and he's mm. wonderful. Yeah, I love John Hurt so much. Mm. Yeah, I hate the billionaire savior trope, mm. and I, I think that has done a lot of damage in perpetuating and enabling. Mm. The idea of people like Bezos and and Musk going yeah. to save the world when they're really just rich bastards that mm. uh, are not very nice and get away with a lot of shit. Yeah. Need um, to just pay their taxes mm. or just pay anyone anything that they deserve, maybe. Um, but John Hurt's really good in this film. Mm. He is, and I yeah, I hate when a billionaire swoops in and saves the day. Mm. Yeah, because it's like. Capitalism worked out this Look, if you, one time. If you want to film with a billionaire it's... not saving the day, go back one week and watch Citizen Kane like we did. Like that's, uh, it, that's it also the... it does help though that he he outwardly says that he is he's doing not he's, a good man. Yeah, mm. he no, he acknowledges that, and I think he also points out he's like, I'm I'm doing this for my own reasons. He's very clear about that. Hundred percent. And I don't 
I wouldn't necessarily say that it's like him swooping in to save the day. Um, and I, I don't really know why, but it just it doesn't sit right with me in in how I at least how I read the film. Um, it I feels... don't think it's the intention. I don't no, think no, no, it's no. definitely not yeah. the message. Yeah. But it does like when yeah. he reveals that they have the second um, setup, the second machine. I think it just sort of points out how there is Ellie is surrounded by people playing politics and playing games with science, with politics, with money that she that are, that is way above her head. Mm. I think it definitely, it, yeah, it definitely helps that. Like I guess he's, he's clearly not a good person. He's the triumvirate of him with the money, um, Daniel Drummond with the science and politics, mm. and then Michael Kitts, Kitts as the um, skeptic. The military. Yeah, the... the I think he. I think he is the zealot skeptic. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe, and I maybe guess that. all those people do have. Some have, redeeming. Sorry. So they all have, all those people do have some redeeming qualities, but are not. Mm. They're obviously not good people. Yeah. Which. Yeah, it's interesting that Ellie can't get to her goals, which is to build a uh, half a trillion dollar um, alien machine mm. yeah. without the help of all of these different factors, which are at some level unethical. Yeah. Mm. Which, which is an interesting. Uh, concept deposit in relation to scientific advancement. Yeah, which I think yeah just goes to show science can't exist outside mm. of 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 the world. Yeah. Um, and or at least you know how we mm. investigate science. The, the the stuff that science looks at exists mm. without the human experience, yeah. but science itself is a human practice. Yeah. Like the fact we have, or at least. Uh, broaden it out and a practice of a certain level of intelligent life are you quoting your phd no i really wish i thought of this <laughs> because i might have had an even better one uh, oh. but no but it does it does feel like that that is such an important part that this mm. film emphasizes and the fact that you know the connection is made through the 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 aliens the vegans using the um the prime number sequence yeah. as like that sort of something which can't occur naturally yeah um, was was a really lovely way of sort of reinforcing that, um, yeah. And, and science and our understanding of science, the way we view it, it, it has to exist within a wider context of the world mm. around it, um, because ultimately, I think we would all like to believe that science is there to help uh, and yes. to benefit. Yeah, and, but and mm. and whilst again, we always we always look at science with this clear glossy art which i think you can actually look at religion as the same way mm. when religion and science are doing their best work mm. people are are better people understand themselves more our world is better mm. in every way shape and form mm. except as this film shows those they're, they're, they're so similar in some ways mm. Um, especially when bad people use them for bad things. Mm -hmm. And I think the comparison with faith is important because yeah. uh, science is not what exists. Science is a framework to help us understand yeah. what exists. Mm. Uh, at a fundamental level, our understanding of the universe breaks down and we just have to assume that certain things are fact. Mm. Yeah. Um, 
gravity works and so far it has been proven to work but at a certain level we don't really understand the mm. intricacies of how it functions yeah small gravity fine big gravity big problem <laughs> yeah and like yeah at, at, at uh atomic scale you you mm. keep going down in the in the molecular sub-atomic level oh, and that's teeny tiny gravity, that's teeny, tiny I, gravity. I, that's, I thought it was turtles the whole way down turtles the whole way down oh yeah. we can only wish but <laughs> at a certain level you just have to take it on faith that yeah. the world will keep doing what the world is doing and science can at hmm. a level we understand describe it yeah. yeah um one thing we should touch on before we uh possibly forget to <laughs> is the really great wormhole sequence yeah um the the whole oh no the the previous experiment didn't go well because jake Busey blew it up and yeah. uh how can they go on from here and Haddon with his uh space skype connection tells them i built <laughs> there is another skywalker basically and <laughs> we we go and go through the whole process but with ellie in the pilot seat and the sequence of going through the wormhole those graphics are more than 20 years old but they told what was happening very effectively yeah. and largely still looked quite good and apparently they're actually fairly accurate to base, based on the theories mm. of, of, of the, wormhole travel yeah yeah like the whole did you see how they uh they would give her a, a second face sort yes. of thing mm. so that's that's actually that whole experience i think is described by einstein oh. um because that is she is going so fast that she's time traveling hmm. so she's experiencing things or at least we as an external viewer are experiencing something that happens to her in the future hmm. um, like everything that the little face to the side of her face says she says a couple of seconds later yeah okay because hmm. she's traveling faster than yeah. um so many great science fiction things hmm. i can point you to towards uh to, to sort of look like. yeah. um, i would actually say one of the best examples of this is in the second ever episode of Red Dwarf, mm. where they get the ship to travel faster than light, and they have this effect happen called future echoes, which is where the crew start experiencing things that they are going to do, but don't. Yeah, actually, yeah they don't. Yeah, they, they which don't is exactly it. what yeah, Ellie so, like, did. Lister is just in the control room, and Rimmer comes in and starts having a completely nonsensical conversation with him, and leaves, and then he walks right back in from the other side of the room. And Lister has a conversation with him. Rimmer says the exact same words, but now they make sense because the first Rimmer was a future echo of the second mm. Rimmer responding to Lister going mental like, but I just spoke to you. And he's like, <laughs> it doesn't make sense. Go watch Red Dwarf, everyone. That's the important yeah. thing from this. Uh, but the sequence with her on the um, the sort of weird desktop save space beach. Um, you know what it's a reference to, though? Yeah. It's a reference to her drawing. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah, the, the oh, fact it's all pulled that at yeah. all. That makes perfect yeah. sense. Yeah. Everything oh, okay. you you see everything in that with the oh, I'm not entirely sure about the sky, but mm. everything that you see in that is a mm. reference to her a memory of hers mm. in some way. Cuz it's where cool. um bloody ham radio the, the longest ham radio trip she did was mm. um yeah, and again, you know, the I thought that was a really nice way of of Establishing the alien contact without one, showing who the aliens were and keeping a yeah. level of mystery to them, which I think is always a... It's like as an audience, you want to see what the yeah. aliens look like. But whatever it was would have been a letdown. Yeah. The yeah. point so. is that we in humanity don't mm. get to know that yet. Yeah, because yeah. We, we don't... We suspect what Ellie experienced did happen, but there has to be that element of doubt for that faith argument yeah. to work. 
But the other thing that I think is really lovely is it justified... The, the film essentially justified itself um, from a narrative perspective because Ellie's desire to throw herself further and further into the unknown is because she believes that by doing that she will find her father or she'll find some sort of yeah. connection because the whole reason she's doing the ham radio is it's sort of established is that she's looking for her dead mum. Mm. And then when her father dies and they have the funeral and everyone's ignoring her, she goes up and is trying to find her dad with the ham radio. Mm. And the fact that the Vegans created the image um, to be in that of a father from a narrative perspective fulfills the requirement of like Ellie getting closure with her father no longer being there and this whole search for for truth and reaching beyond what we can perceive yeah i i wouldn't i don't know if she'd get closure but i think Mm. it's more she gets a new goalpost which is possibly not as um antagonistic it's it's maybe she's like i know there is something out there so i'm gonna keep looking Mm. to share it and Whereas I think earlier on in the film, she's she's more about, no, I want to prove something. Mm. Um, prove the bastards wrong mm. for whatever reason. Yeah, and now it's come more about the the, the, the benefit of humanity. Yeah, yeah. She, she's, I, in, in a way, I guess, maybe she's become more curious, like childlike curious, mm. um, rather than still curious earlier, but a more sort adult. Of like a furious curious. Yeah, furious yeah. curious. <laughs> Um, yeah. Would you guys like some trivia about contact? Oh, would yes, I? Yes, please. Okay. All of this trivia is sourced from IMDb. So if it's not true, don't blame me. Uh, the first bit of trivia. Author and producer Carl Sagan sadly passed away whilst this film was in production. Yeah. Uh, he was reportedly taking great care to ensure that the science, in quotation marks, was uh, accurately depicted in this movie. Yeah. Uh, and he course, was very heavily involved, as well as yeah. his wife. Yes, um, who helped him co-write, co-write the book mm. um, in the initial stages. And, yeah, look, Carl Sagan, what a guy. Like, mm. like it's uh, we, we should just take a little moment to just just reflect on his general uh, impact as a science communicator yeah. because we're really quite lucky to have a lot of really great science communicators on mm. a lot of levels and the fact that science communication has become such a um, such an important part of mm. science now obviously we can name big level science communicators like Neil deGrasse Tyson who we spoke yeah. about earlier and um, Brian, Cox. Brian Cox not the actor one uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, and you know uh, like Dr. Carl here in Australia yeah. um, and even you know on a there are so many people who work in science communication mm. uh, a frequent guest in this parish uh, Kate O'Sullivan worked for years in science in communication in this parish yes this parish the podcast parish <laughs> uh, uh, yeah I'm bridging to religion <laughs> and faith. Bringing the theme together. Okay, okay, okay. Bringing it all together. Yeah, I wasn't sure if I misheard, you misspoke. <laughs> no, or... no, I said parish. Excellent. Uh, but yeah, like we're really lucky to have um, science communication be taken quite yeah. seriously. And so much of that comes from the work Can... that Carl did with his Cosmos program with his um, frequent appearance on um, just, American entertainment programs. Yeah, can I just quickly tell you about my favourite... I've never I've never looked at them, but mm. I, I'm just aware of them. My favourite way um, people have tried to make science communication better. Mm-hmm. There is a competition, which Ellen, who's... Uh, by the way, listeners, Ellen's sitting in. Yeah. She's um, waving, she's the, waving. the whole time. 
Um, yes, she's 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 the moderator of the podcast. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, there is a competition. I don't know if it still goes on. That people who are doing a uh, scientific PhD or honors or things like that, they put it to interpretive dance to try Ooh. and explain it. Okay, that's and, amazing. Yeah, and there are. Yeah, there are, there's an awards program okay. um, as a way of just trying to encourage people to think uh, think outside the box of mm. how they're going to successfully communicate their science. That's fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. Wonderful. I, and again, I feel that's something we're getting a big thumbs up from uh, old Carl if he was yeah. still, mm. still knocking around. Um, and yeah, it's a nice dedication at the end to him. Just the, the four Carl. I was like, yep. Yeah. That was good. That was nice. And yeah, his, his fingerprints are all over this thing. Mm-hmm. And there's in the set of I think one of the SETI bases his uh, photograph is on the desk like yeah. it's he's like a relative of somebody who's there it's like well, honestly uh, anyone in the scientific community has their idols mm. that have yeah. come before them so it might just be a photo of Carl Sagan yeah it could just be yeah but yeah, yeah just the way they did it I thought was a really nice touch and of course Ellie wearing that very particular jacket and the very particular yes. turtleneck in her meeting at Haddon Industries. Yes, that was extremely uh, Sagan uh, It's evocative. also, I'm just going to say though, I'm not a big fan of people wearing lots of brown, but mm. it was a good look. It was a good look. Yeah. yeah she, she pulled it off. And Jodie Foster is just a gorgeous human being. Yeah. And, um, and yeah, just look great in everything. Yeah. The UFO abduction insurance banner uh, <laughs> that was across an RV was from a real company. Yeah, they lo- they're a legit company. It looks... I was like, if that's not a real thing, it's obviously a riff on a real I, thing. I think there are in uh, Texas and basically around the where Area 51 is, um, there's a couple of those different companies. Hmm. Um, Warner Brothers paid... Uh, that particular company for the rights to use their their yeah. business name in the film. Um, would you take out UFO abduction insurance, Andrew? Do you, do you feel like it's something you'll ever need to take out? Um, you know, if I could be ab- abducted by a UFO, I'd be like, I'm fine with that. I don't know why I need impressed. to be insured, you know? Well, maybe for the trauma that apparently every all of them go through. I you think know, we the... just need to work in our communication skills with the aliens. Yep, like, I, yep. th- I we, think I can be that bridge. We need to um, make sure we know our prime numbers and our base and our base communication levels. Uh, I will work on my my math. Yeah, it's not up to snuff. <laughs> yeah, neither is mine. Mm. Uh, I'm just having a quick look. Um, you can buy UFO insurance from Florida's UFO Abduction Insurance Co. Yeah, uh, which is the one depicted here. Um, for $19.95 American dollars, uh, we'll issue a certificate. A month or a year? It, will, it doesn't have a time period on okay. it. Is it a one-time payment? I'm, I'm going to assume it's yearly. Well, uh, but I mean, it only needs to be a one-time payment because they're never, they're never going to pay it out. I suppose, yeah. Uh, they will issue a certificate for $10 million of coverage if a visitor from Mars grabs you. Specifically, that is Martian oh, okay. alien cover. That's so, barely any part of the universe that's yeah. not helpful yeah yeah well look when you're being abducted guess, and it's by a martian you're gonna look real I guess, silly <laughs> i guess the martians they're they're kind of the closest so yeah but and you know, know. We, at le- feel- we know there are at least two martians mm. 
the Mars rover. Oh, and I thought you were going to say the other one. My favorite Martian and um, no, I'm like if I they if they Matt, come, I thought you were going to say Matt Damon. Yeah, yeah. If they come back, mm. I wonder if the UFO abduction also covers you for getting hit by a meteorite. You're not that, being abducted. No, no, I know, but I wonder if you could like extend your coverage if that's if, not if you can prove it came from Mars in some way. No, yeah. no, no, but just like getting because you know the woman who survived in the 50s by getting hit by a meteorite she she had a whole bunch of medical bills and she did not get paid out by anything because yeah, that would qualify as an act of god right yeah I think well it does if you have faith if you have faith. yeah mm. but right what if i want to be payout what then ah oh, you might be out of luck look if you if you happen to get hit by a rock that falls from outer space you are just having a bad day. I think that's just the rule. <laughs> it's too bad, so sad. Yeah. Um, William Fitchner's character, uh, Kent Clark, obviously is a play on Superman's alter ego, Clark Kent. Yeah. Uh, but is based on the real life and really blind SETI scientist, Kent Colors. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah, so sort of a real guy that he was based on. Uh, the producer and director, Robert Zemeckis, said initially approached Sidney Poitier to play the president, but uh, Sidney turned it down to be in the movie The Jackal. Shortly after Poitier's refusal, Zemeckis saw a NASA announcement uh, that was given in August 1996. Uh, Clinton gave his Mars Rock speech, Zemeckis explained, and I swear to God, it was like it was scripted for this movie. Yeah. When he said the line, we will continue to listen closely to what it has to say, I almost died. I stood there with my mouth hanging <laughs> open. Uh, Bill Clinton's appearance was taken from an actual press conference. Um... It, his remarks were about a real-life discovery of an Antarctic meteorite that turned out to be from Mars, so the coverage may have covered yeah. it. Uh, the altered footage did cause controversy, though. A few years later, CNN banned the use of its logo in fictional movies, mm. and CNN reporters are no longer allowed to do movie cameos except for the uh, late Larry King was allowed to appear in films because they were like, yeah. he's Larry. He's kind yeah. of special. Do whatever he wants. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I thought it was a really good use of old uh, Billy Clinton there. Yeah, you can really was... see the um, the Forrest Gump wheels turning there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Zemeckis just being like, we can put him in. Was this before or after Forrest Gump? After uh, yeah. Forrest Gump was ninety four. This yeah. was ninety seven. So Which is yeah, interesting because the Forrest Gump, <laughs> the way the way they use the president in that is, I feel. A lot more seamless at times. Oh, you should go rewatch it. Maybe yeah. it's just my poor <laughs> yeah. memory. Uh, um, but yeah. also, the Forrest Gump ones—they've got the leeway of uh, the footage deliberately looking bad because mm. it's the it's sixties and seventies television footage. Yeah, that's true. Um, and no, but to be fair, Robertson, like Alan Alder, appealed, appeared in a film with JFK. Um, like years after JFK got shot. Oh. Okay. Yeah. Um, I can't remember the name of the film. I just remember him talking about it, uh, writing about it in his um, biography. Mm. Yeah. And they used the exact same technique of blending. Yeah. You know, I, blending I, I, live footage. I wonder footage. what it is about Robert Zemeckis that he has to sneak in those president cameos. Yeah. I don't oh, know what it is about the I, films we're watching on this program where Hitler keeps turning up. That's two <laughs> weeks in a row. So it's like he had a major cultural impact. Yeah, upon but the like world. no, because in Citizen Kane, <laughs> they do this exact thing where they edit Citizen Kane into uh, either a photograph or footage mm. with Hitler to show he was this great statesman. And that film was made and released in 1941. Yeah. Um, so you know Hitler was still knocking around uh, when when that came out, and just seeing it crop up in this film again was kind of um, mm. a bit of a weird experience but also I just loved the reveal of the, the Nazi iconography 
That was um, something I, but where it was like, yeah. they're, they're, they're like, what's this mysterious message? And it was showing that first broadcast that escaped the Oort cloud um, mm. and, and got into outer space. I just thought that was so great, particularly it, because... I, I love watching your face as you mm. comprehended mm. what was happening. Yeah. Because that, that was a reveal. That was one of the things I knew about going into yeah. the film. Oh, right. I yeah, like, I'm going to love if Stephen picks this. <laughs> I, I had no idea. And it was wonderful, uh, yeah. particularly when you then got the government representative going, our first ambassador to an alien race was Hitler? Jesus Christ. Yeah. yeah. And like everyone in the room freaking out and be like, yeah. what does this mean? Yeah. As Space as Nazis? Happens. He escaped? And we even saw that reflected in the like neo-Nazi skinheads that were at the yeah. protest being like, Hitler lived. And it's, yeah, it's because thing. and that just goes to show there there is an element like we, we as lay people hear this science news mm. and then we interpret it within our own lenses like mm. when the announcement about the higgs boson was made mm. apparently that started a whole bunch of um religious door knockers mm. saying look look it's, it's proof that god exists mm. i'm like nobody that they was found just... his particle yeah it that... is yeah all, all information can be twisted yeah. and and to show whatever Mm. vested party wants to wants to show mm. which i think is what this film as exactly. we've discussed this film shows that the filmmakers used joan of arc as a model for ellie's spacesuit uh and the spacesuit it was, was designed a, to look like armor it's a very yeah. interesting look yeah for very sure. neon genesis evangelion yeah, yeah. It, it just looked cool and yeah it was um yeah just cool good yeah, choice costume is cool. good good yeah. choice uh the suicide pill scene did cause some controversy. Uh, Carl Sagan claimed that such pills were made available on all NASA missions to be used if the astronauts were unable to return to Earth. But former astronaut Jim Lovell, commander of the ill-fated Apollo 13 mission, disputes that claim. Yeah. So, yeah, we still... We don't know if that's something they're offered. If, if we can get Buzz Aldrin and maybe ask him... To, to be we'll honest, I wouldn't be surprised one way or the other. Mm. Because... As the guy says, like, well, we have to prepare for everything mm. and we have to prepare for the things that we don't know. Yeah. And there's um, a million horrible ways to die yeah. in space. Yeah. Although, that being said, that kind of, me just saying that, that kind of flies in the face of what I've heard Chris Hadfield talk about mm. when he talks about how NASA prepare for missions. Mm. They literally just sit at a table for months and months and months and months and go, how can this mission f- up mm. and how can we get out of it yeah um yeah and he talks about that in his in his book and his ted mm. talks and things like that mm. the alien transmission sound eleanor arroway hears uh, is a very minor variation of a sound made by a certain well-known science fiction vessel the tardis from doctor who so that <laughs> oh, initial right. sound is a manipulation of the original um, 60s version of oh, the TARDIS wow. noise. I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah. They, they manipulated it so that you wouldn't, because otherwise it would have just been a room full of... Um, Hoovians going... just going, they found the Doctor, he's going to turn up and punch but someone in the this, face. This or... is between... This is between Doctor Who. Yeah. yeah. This is the, the between times. So it would have been Paul no McGann. And it would have been very confusing for John Hurt. <laughs> <laughs> Um, the filmmakers uh, put out a call for UFO enthusiasts to be the extras. Most of the people who play the extras in those scenes brought their own wardrobes and props. Oh, of course they did. So yeah. they did virtually no costuming. You know, That's how you save some money. It is. And you know what? They they give off an element of joy that mm. you don't get out of outside of fringe societies. And <laughs> fringe, fringe authenticity to that, that yeah. setup as well. Yeah. Mm. 
Uh, the MIT yearbook shown uh, with Dr. Arroway in it uh, as part of the This Is Your Life slideshow that uh, mm. John Hurt gave her um, was a real MIT undergraduate yearbook from the class of 1983. So all the other people in those pictures were actual students. Yeah. Who's the poor person that got cut out? <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, all my classmates' faces got to be in this film and I was the one person that got cut out and replaced with Jodie Foster. Yeah, that's pretty unfortunate. <laughs> You'd be kicking yourself. Yeah. Um, the crew built two replicas of the VLA control center down to the wall posters and carpet color. They even borrowed photos of actual researchers' families to put on no. the desks. There was a lot of attention to detail yeah. in this yeah, film. Yeah, it's amazing. Jodie Foster failed to receive a much-anticipated Oscar nomination for her performance mm. in this movie because she was pregnant and refused to name the father at the time, a fact viewed by many as confirming a lesbianism she had never recognised in the public eye at that time. This is just a little reminder that this film came out That's, 25 years yeah, ago. Yeah, I don't think Jodie was really ever... Uh, she, I don't think she ever announced who the father was in that case. Yeah. Um, Foster came out uh, of the closet during an acceptance speech in 2013 at the Golden Globe ceremony mm. when she was awarded uh, a Cecil B. DeMille Award. Um Although the paternity of her pa- of, uh, the paternity of her parents, that's not how it works. <laughs> Although the paternity of her children um, has been attributed to director, uh, casting director and producer Randy Stone, uh, it has never been officially confirmed or denied. Yeah, as and yet. also, good on her. You don't need to yeah. know anything about her personal that's life. That's just such a weird thing. Like, I okay, mm. I understand the uh, people not getting nominated because of questions about their sexuality, because there is a very long gross history of that in in hollywood but why does the whole paternity is or is it do you think maybe it's think just because the paternity the thing yeah fueled the the gay rumors yeah mm. i think that's what it, I, yeah i think it's yeah. just fueling the fire of yeah. that just because it's just like draw. such a weird thing like oh can't you win an oscar if you're unmarried or some bullshit well it's quite similar well, to the the question within the film about mm. do you believe in god and like that shouldn't have any effect upon yeah. mm. and also they'd already given her two oscars by this point yeah just, just give her a thing you know silence of the lambs and um the accused she won for both of those films yeah i guess it's because she wasn't pregnant with an unknown father at the time yeah it's very Ooh. very weird anyway. weird paternalism i don't know who knew the the oscar the academy at the academy awards were a bit weird and outdated who who yeah. knew that yeah Look, they, they, they gave Green Book Best Picture. I'm, just, I'm never going to get over that. <laughs> Awful film. The brief role of Major John Russell, uh, the main candidate for the machine until he dropped out, was played by Stephen Ford, son of former US President Gerald Ford. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gerald Ford uh, was pretty key in the history of NASA. He was a member of the House Select Committee on Astronautics and Space Exploration, helping to draft the original Space Act that gave NASA its charter. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He was also very pro-space and uh, supportive of um, the Viking missions, which happened during his presidency. Mm. But yeah, I just thought it was cool they got his son in. Do you know if his son was an actor or if they just wanted uh, that representation? I don't think he was just a guy. (laughs) I mean, if he he wasn't, then he did a good job of, you know, even just a small cameo with that much emotion can be quite hard. Yeah, Um, I thought he did great. yeah, Yeah. Stephen Ford is in fact an actor Um, his wikipedia page says he's an american actor his middle name is meigs m-e-i-g-s weird never heard of that name before but always happy to learn uh and he is um 65 right now so uh well done Stephen. on on getting to 65 yes uh and finally the american drag queen katya 
Zama Lodchikova uh, of uh, Elizabeth Quinn and RuPaul's Drag Race fame frequently references Contact throughout her YouTube series and web shows. She even wears a dress with this movie's poster as its print. I think I have her on Instagram. Mm-hmm. And she does lots of like. Yeah. Well, she's a big fan of Contact. What's the film? I should say. It's a good film. Katya Zamalodchikova. Oh, it might not be. But yeah, so just nice to see. That's cool. Yeah, just just a fun extra little 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 tidbit. It's 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 a pretty good film, all in all. Just just reflecting on it. Andrew is our, our first time viewer. Um, how how long do you think you would have to wait before going? You know what? I'm going to watch this again. Oh, uh, I mean, I I feel like this is the kind of film I could I could watch every year or two. Yeah, just like like it, if it, it, if it if you turn on the TV and it's there, you'd watch it. I would definitely. Yeah, this is yeah. definitely the kind of film. I know what I would do if I, if it was on the TV for some reason. I turned on the TV mm. and it was on. <laughs> I would go. Oh, okay. And then I would go to Amazon Prime and rent it yeah. rather than watching it on TV. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> that, that is how I function. Um, but yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. I, I love the questions that it, raise, it raises and how it ties all of its themes together. I think it's an almost perfectly constructed film. Mm. Whether it's the type of film you enjoy or not, I think that's entirely subjective. Yeah. because mm. it, it is a lot of rumination and people um in rooms talking to one another about sciencey stuff sciencey mm. stuff and and religion and ideology in general mm. but i think all of it is uh, it captivated me yeah well all that remains is for us to score the film so andrew uh it was your first time watching contact what would you give it out of 10 i would give this film Eight and a half sexy Christian McConaughey's out of ten. Mm. <laughs> Very nice. Uh, for yourself, Katrina? Um, I've been thinking all week about what I would um, score this film, and I still can't quite decide. Because another element that I really enjoy about it is how it, not only that it blends science and faith, but in my opinion it also blends art and science and how and shows how they shouldn't be enemies and how they can work together the whole they should have sent a poet thing yeah 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 basically that is that is one of my favorite lines Mm. um so yeah with that all in mind i'm i'm gonna agree with you andrew and go eight and a half floating billionaires at mia (laughs) (laughs) yeah i i really enjoyed um just just the whole thing it's it's mm. a really really well put together film um the the effects largely hold up um they are dated but yeah. you know it's it's you can tell what it is it's not yeah. um it gets it's not the uncom- message across yeah, it's not uncomfortable to watch um which sometimes uh, visual effects can be when they just don't sit quite right particularly how our, our eyes are trained these days for, mm-hmm. for that sort of thing um great cast wonderful characters well written had a great time um, I will give this film nine um, doctorates out of ten uh, <laughs> because um, I, because I was always going to theme it around that. There yeah. was a lot of doctors in it's, this film. It's kind of it's kind of yeah. worked out really like fortuitously that yeah. it's science fiction. This is your first day Mm-mm. as a doctor. It is, and 
yeah i'm i'm actually really happy that it's that it's like everything's dovetailed into it, this it certainly has yeah. um it's uh wonderful when all these things come together yeah uh but that brings us to the end of our review of contact so andrew and katrina thank you so much for joining me on this episode thank you so much thanks Stephen. and happy 25 episodes katrina <gasps> thank you very much you did I, it. I look forward to 25 more i'm uh, i've i've got a good couple of films uh, ready for my 50th beautiful <laughs> uh, for those of you listening at home thank you for listening in um, we've got a couple of other guests who are banging on the door of 25 episodes but who will be the next one it'll probably be Carmen Dolly but the only way that you can know for certain um, <laughs> it, whether or not it is Dr. Carmen Dolly is by going to uh, subscribe to this program iTunes SoundCloud Spotify a new episode each and every week just put those headphones on and listen and eventually a signal will come through when we promise it won't be Hitler it will be us <laughs> reviewing films uh, we're also available on Patreon if anything this film showed how important funding is so if you want to keep hearing yep. these messages fund us we don't have to rely on space John Hurt for starters he's dead we- <laughs> He ain't giving up a lot of cash right now. So please, for as little as a dollar a month, uh, you can help uh, fund this program and get a few extra bonus goodies as well. Uh, And finally, we are on Facebook. You can find us uh, by going to Facebook and searching for the Cinema Catch-Up Club. Give us a like and you'll get uh, all sorts of updates uh, headed straight to your uh, phone or computer of choice. But that is all for this week. So until next time, goodbye. Bye. Bye. You have been listening to a Thought Jar Productions podcast. For more information, please visit thoughtjarproductions.com. So, Stephen, are we going to like add in the whole extra 18 hours of static and then, then we're just going to, at the end, go, it never happened. Yeah. But well, it did. What we should do is, um, yeah, sort of bookend the program where it's kind of like you never listened to the podcast contact was never reviewed yeah. and then we pull out a report and going but why was there an hour and several minutes change uh, oh that of- is interesting yeah that is interesting yeah that is interesting because NSA guy you're evil not going to do a Hitler impression it <laughs> am I the restraint thought about it thought better you should just do a spy skills impression. Yeah. Yeah, tell me what I want, what I really, really want. <laughs> <laughs>